No champagne, just problem. No champagne, just pain. No champagne, just pain. Okay, I think I just figured out how to start recording us. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I was not prepared for that to work. Please, Lord, like, let us not have any more technical difficulties for this one episode. I think our problem is that every single time we decide to do an episode, we're like, let's make this really complicated and let's connect all of the Alexas to our TV, but then feed it through the iPad and see how that works. I don't think it is. I don't think it's us. It is no. we're not a problem. Uh, rule number one, it's probably you. Oh man, I drank my last glass of wine tonight. I'm Joel. You got some wine there. I saved it just for our podcast. That's why I asked you. This sounds very alcoholic of me, but this is why I asked you what time are we podcasting? It doesn't sound alcoholic. Okay, so I could reserve a glass and just hold on to it. I mean, it would, it's, isn't it more alcoholic if you just were like, oh, well, gotta open up another bottle? That's very true. What's the quote that you love from Arrested Development about vodka? Oh my gosh. Well, she's like, well, you know, after you open the bottle, you have to finish it. <laughs> like in one night? Yeah. You know it's bad by the next day. <laughs> I love it. Those are some of my favorite characters. I need to – I think I was too young and starry-eyed when I tried to watch that show because I was, like, in my 20s. I mean, it was – God, it was, like, after we – it was after The Office ended and I was looking for something new to watch. I mean, Taylor Swift had just released Red. <laughs> like, this is like, let, me, let me tell you all the memories. I smelled fall in the air. <laughs> let me just set the scene of every, like all the innocence and childlikeness of everything else going on, you know? And then you've got Arrested Development. And I think like, I wasn't offended by it, but I don't think I understood half the jokes or like thought, I understood them, but I didn't think they were funny. You know what I mean? Okay. So... I feel like there are definitely shows that I understand. All right, even The Office. There are things in The Office that when I watch the episode, I I got the episode. It was funny, whatever. But mm-hmm. then the second, third, fourth, like seventh time that I watched it, I always pick up on small things oh, yeah. that aren't specific to the storyline, but are absolutely hilarious. My favorite favorite example is when The Office is going through like it's not. I'm not going to use the right term because I can't think of it right now. But basically, they were, like, downsizing to get rid of old people. Yeah. You know? And then and that was, like, the whole storyline where they're, like, downsizing, get rid of old people, and everybody's freaking out. And, like, Creed doesn't say anything the entire episode, but you see him one minute with white hair just in the background, and then you see him in the next scene with, like, purple hair. Oh, yes. Yes. And then, like... Jenna Fisher, Pam, she's just like very like offhanded at one point. She's like, the printer's not working. (laughs) And you realize like he used the ink from the printer to dye his hair black. (laughs) That's how I think Arrested Development is, where it's the subplots that are brilliant. Yeah, Not the upfront storyline. Like, what's the name of the actor? I, I thought back then... The two actors that were just had the absolute funniest lines and stole every scene was obviously the matriarch, the mom. Yes. But then also the bald dude with the mustache. I can't remember the name <laughs> of the actor. 
I don't like, know. You're just another laugh- nude. You're just laughing, thinking about him. Like, yeah, he was amazing. He was another nude. Never nude. <laughs> Do you remember that? He was like, it was this term that they coined that he was a never nude and he could never be naked. And he wore <laughs> cut off jean shorts always, like in the shower. I could never yeah. take them off. I really, I did watch the whole the whole show. I just think I I really I need to rewatch it. I think I'll get a lot more out of it. Um, so this is how it was: David Cross, Tobias Funk. I never knew his name. So that was the actor. This is how mm-hmm. how you feel right now, where you're like, "Haha, that's funny," but I don't really remember it. That's how I feel in every single conversation we have, where you're like. <laughs> Remember this? Remember this? And I'm like, I don't. But that's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. And I'm sure it was funny in the moment, but I just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that is starting starting to happen to me. I just have like complete gaps in my memory. And I, you know, I never really did. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I was trying to find a receipt for something or, um, like, not, like, an actual receipt, but, you know, like, the receipts. Like, I was trying to find something, like, oh, I feel like we talked about this before for a, a girl from school. And I was looking back through emails from, Let like, Let me get 20, the receipts. 2020. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, like, drama. It was just, like, I – something was, like, I, I feel like we talked about this. What exactly was it? So I'm looking up emails from 2020. And, like, I could not remember. Like, I talked about things I had done or read or – or like, oh yeah, I've I've worked with such a, and I was just like, I don't remember. <laughs> it was so crazy. That is crazy for you because you have the best memory of everyone. Yeah, and we're talking so like as, three years ago. As soon as yours starts to go, I'm I'm SOL. Maybe yours will come back. Maybe we will just like, <laughs> we'll do one of these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll reverse, reverse, reverse. <laughs> Perfect. I can remind you about everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so you said you were doing deep dives. Yeah. So down the rabbit hole. Okay, so so fans. Um <laughs> we need to come up with you know like Taylor has her Swifties. Yeah. We should have a name for our like I don't this is a long term plan, not a like in this moment unless like when we actually have fans. Yeah, like our one person in Serbia. I wanna call them our Nuries, or I don't know. Oh, nuries? Like new rules. I don't know. Oh. But but we'll come up, you know what I mean? Like we have to have something so we can be like, hey, nuries. Well, uh, but we renamed it to No Champagne. Sure. Nurshies. Nurshies. <laughs> Clearly. I'm not, I'm not feeling the brilliance right now in naming our yeah. followers. Long-term. Maybe we just need to rename it for a fourth time, Elizabeth. We probably do. That's something that can have a following name. No, but no. I'm we'll just and let's try a new platform while we're at it too. That sounds great. Yeah, let's just try the five that we haven't tried yet. Yeah. Oh my God. So anyway, for our followers, we have decided to start taking a new approach because we, Kayla and I both decided that we absolutely love deep diving on different things and then talking about it. Right. Yes. Well, I was gonna say. It's a new approach because it's selfish. We're making the podcast that we want to listen to. Like, I will yeah. re-listen to this. 
Yeah. When I've forgotten what we talked about. <laughs> No, exactly. Like these are the podcasts that we like because I can I can talk to Kayla every single day about random thoughts and we do that on the regular in Marco Polo. But this yeah. is more of a like col- a time to collect thoughts and then discuss them with each other. Yeah. So our goal is to like we already actually have a pretty long list of topics that are interesting enough to us to dedicate like an hour throughout the week to really to, to dedicate some serious time to like really getting the deep dive details that no one else has time to do. And the things that people forgot about, like that's that's the kind of stuff that I really want to do. Um and I'm really excited about just both for the fun of making it and doing those deep dives with you about these things that we both are like intrigued about and would like to know more about, but also, yeah, like that these are the kind of podcasts, like I really, when I really get into the podcast, it's like, I've got a mountain of laundry to fold or, you know, a bunch of floors to mop and I pop the earbuds in and I, I, you know, I like it to just be something that you can really get into the weeds with and, yeah, lost in. Whereas like a small a podcast that just feels like a lot of small talk or just current events, it just doesn't it doesn't have the same pull for me. Right, cuz we're all hearing the same thing and then just like regurgitating it back to each, each other, mm-hmm. which this might be. I need to get better at research. I haven't researched anything since like <laughs> college. So, I think I personally am going to get better at this as we go along. But um, it's at least more than just what you, hopefully more than, you know, what you heard think, from the last person. I think where we're going to be challenged is actually more how much do we narrow down the topic in the deep dive? Mm-hmm. Cause like when I was writing, I had it, when I was kind of preparing my stuff on my end for this, I was like, okay, either this will be a really great deep dive that involves kind of four, like, subject like four subheaders basically that are loosely connected but each of them could be their own deep dive so that's where I'm kind of like I think that's going to be the challenge of this approach but I say we don't overthink it we just jump in and then if we're doing it we're like oh my gosh we're just scratching the surface surface of this tangent that's next week's topic right yeah I love it okay so I think we didn't have a title for what we were going to discuss today, but it was, I think if we want to sort of high level topic it, it's the fact that it's it's the way that our country has looked at food, weight gain, weight loss from a immediate gratification perspective. Mm. So, okay. So. In a progressive a progressive approach as opposed to using traditions. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Like it's all about the new cutting edge technology and idea and let's throw out all the things from the past. Like we don't need to learn from the past. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could even throw in here, we, you know, it's not even just the things of the past, but even like culturally how we approach food, weight gain, weight loss, stuff like this. Right. So, mm. To kind of jump into it, um, Kayla and I were talking a couple of days ago about um, 
Well, I want you to talk about the new like doctoring approach that you were telling me, but that led to talking about Ozambic, which is this diabetes drug. It's for type two diabetes. It basically like I, my my own dad is diabetic, and I swear I know nothing about diabetes. <laughs> I know is he, is he on Ozempic though? No, he's not on Ozempic. But I'm just saying in general, like for some reason, diabetes has always been something that's like kind of nebulous to me. But I know it has to do with your blood sugar and your insulin and making sure, like your ins- if you have enough insulin that your body's producing, then your blood sugar is self-regulated. If you're not, Mm. then your blood sugar is not self-regulated and you have to like make sure that you are giving your body the correct insulin, right? Um, So Ozambic was originally created for, it's a drug to to treat type 2 diabetes. And then they were like, oh my gosh, we can also lose a lot of weight on it. This is amazing. Like rapid amounts, a lot of weight, very fast. Yes. Yes. So they compare it to um, a gastric bypass. Yeah. Well, without even surgery, right? Like Mm -hmm. this drug is, it's an injection that you take Mm -hmm. once a week. And so this is what's really interesting because I did some research today, just like read up a little bit more on it. But I actually knew about the drug because one of my best friends at work started taking it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't really know what it was, but then, you know, one of the other girls was telling me about it and she, I, I sit next to her, right? Like we order in food every, I mean, we, a crazy amount of fast food, like Chick-fil-A and Chipotle, Panera, like high stress job. (laughs) Yeah. And we, and right, exactly. And we like alleviate the stress every single day with lunch from a fast food restaurant. It's not healthy. Yeah. But um, so I know like we sit next to each other, we work, you know, we've we've sat next to each other for years. We work very closely, we're in all the same meetings and all that stuff. And it's crazy because the minute she started taking it, she lost her complete appetite. Like she Mm -hmm. went from eating a healthy amount of food to just not eating. And so I, even before I started looking to it, I was like, Lindsay, like, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm down 15 pounds in a week. I'm like, okay, good for you. But that's because you're not eating. This is called starvation, you know? So I looked into it and that's basically what it is, is like with the way that your um, blood sugar is being regulated, it suppresses your appetite. You're not hungry. And so there's a lot of people they're having rapid weight loss with this drug, but then the side effects are pretty crazy. Like basically everybody's getting the weight back as soon as they go off of it. Um, they get this thing called a zampic face where you lose fat in your face. And so you just get really oh saggy skin. And the mitigation oh for that is like fillers and facelifts and um, Botox and stuff like that. Right. But even when these people are on Ozambic, Lindsay was even telling me today, my friend at work, she's like, all right, I have three injections left. I was like, are you like, what are you going to do? So you're not going to gain all the weight back. And she's like, well, either I could extend it, which she's like, you know, I don't really want to do that because I don't like feeling nauseous all the time. And that's what these people, they feel awful. Like these people feel absolutely awful. I was even looking at it interview with Chelsea Ham 
Kepler. What's her mm-hmm. name? You know, mm-hmm. and she has this like funny story about Zambic where she did. I mean, it's because it's become like a celebrity drug. She's like, oh my gosh, my like doctor was handing it out like candy. Everybody's losing weight on it, and great. She didn't know she was on it until one of her other friends is like, yeah, you're on a Zambic, and she's like, yeah, I was just like really nauseous all the time. Like oh people feel awful, and so. All right, so everything, like, in general, right, Ozempic, rapid late loss, but, but if you don't have any lifestyle changes, then as soon as you're not on the drug, then you gain all the weight back because your body's just going back to normal. It's not like it has long-term effects. You feel like crap the entire time you're on it. You could get Ozempic face, which, like, I don't feel like that's a really big thing, but some people do. I think if you're older, then it's a bigger issue. And this Yeah, is like where- if you're in your... 40s or 50s already yeah yeah exactly and this is what I think is really funny too people like there are some people that are like this is proof that obesity is a chronic disease and you need to be on lifetime medication because if you take away the medication then you gain all this weight right so this is why I wanted to like that's the background but longer deep dive I think we could look at it and say, why is it that our whole country, and I don't know if it's more than the United States, TBH, right? Like, I've read a couple of things and talked to you about things with the way that our specific country, culture, approaches, weight, food, everything else. So I'm just going to look at it from that perspective. But mm-hmm. it's another view of how we need instant gratification and mm-hmm. how we don't want to look at the underlying thing, right? Yeah. So, like, if we were talking about the fact that there is a problem with obesity in the United States, instead of being like, oh, okay, it's probably because we're all eating fast food or, uh, you know, maybe it's because of the way that we're um, modifying our food so it's not being processed by us or maybe it's the fact that we don't have access to fresh food or maybe it's the mm-hmm. fact that for some reason we have these, like, ginormous servings for every single meal right like we as a culture feel like we need to eat so much instead of looking at any of that because we don't want to change it that's uncomfortable we just add in this drug that actually makes us feel super crappy Mm -hmm. and then don't make any lifestyle changes to go with it because we're so focused on instant gratification yeah that's my connection I like that. Yeah, I so the one the only thing I wanted to ask you about Ozempic is isn't it, it what I had understood maybe this is incorrect but that um the reason it makes you so nauseous in in the way that it um regulates your blood sugar is it basically slows down your processing of the food you're eating so you basically have food just sitting like filling up your stomach for like way longer than it normally would. Oh, no, I did hear that. And that causes the nausea, and that's also why you're not hungry. So it literally it literally takes, like, I mean, this maybe I misunderstood it, but it, I, what I understood to be saying is it it makes your, your organs function improperly. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to speak to that. I'm just going to speak on what I know. I'm not sure... I did not deep dive on how it actually works. I just know it works with your blood sugar, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's it. I think it's also like 
one of the um, girls I was reading from, she was a dietitian. She was saying that's also some sort of gastronomic something. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to discuss it. So you could be right. But and if that's the case, too, that means it's slowing down your metabolism mm-hmm. and making yeah. you dependent on the drug for any sort of retention of weight loss and um you know increase in in life happiness that you may have from it yeah yeah because I think that's the reason it's a problem in my mind because there's a lot of things that we do that can I I don't think it's necessarily I'm not a dietitian but Mm -hmm. I don't think I think from a human level, it makes sense that sometimes you do need like a Kickstarter, yeah, you know, to help you lose an initial yeah. amount of weight and kind of like a gastro, you know, like when they staple your stomach, you learn to eat smaller amounts and it is hard. Like it's not impossible to gain that weight back, but it is much harder because yeah. you're so much smaller. And so I guess that'd be part of like, yeah, if you if you learn to live and your body learns to stabilize on a lower amount of calories and you take away the thing that got you to that place, but you have the habits of being in the lower amount, like arguably you could stay there. But the problem is that the, the amounts that you're eating on Ozempic is, is not even what you should be eating. And it's, um, you have effectively, you have untrained your body on how to do, like it's not going to understand when it suddenly starts speeding up Yes, exactly. the digestive process. Then it's like, that's why everyone gains all the weight back with this because, and that's why it's different from just like a tapeworm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because your body's like, well, it's functioning on this lower deficit. And also by the way, body, you're not hungry, so you're fine. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as you take away that suppressant and you have mm-hmm. an appetite again and you start eating. And a metabolism, like your body's actually like digesting the food. This one girl. Okay, so um, I personally hate TikTok, but I did watch some TikTok videos. <laughs> Isn't that how everyone starts it? Yeah. Like, I don't. I'm not on there. Not I just sometimes there. see videos. I on just Instagram. watch video. I just have the app, so if people send me a video, I can watch it easy. <laughs> no, but this one, this one girl, this cracked me up so much. Um, she was like, "Okay, I just, I just had my second week of Ozempic, and um, I went up by five milligrams or whatever it is, right? And then you like increase yeah. milligrams or whatever." And she's <laughs> like. She's like, oh, I feel so nauseous. I've never felt so bad. She's like, so I, I'm taking this other thing and that with like, you know, eating like a rabbit, like little nibbles. That's really helping. I'm feeling good. And she's like, she's like, but it's fine. Like, I'm not like feeling like I'm going to die. Like I'll survive. And I was like, you feel that bad that that's your comparison? Like, yeah, I'm not going to die. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of is the Devil Wears Prada when Emily Blunt's character is um, on her cheese diet yeah. to be able to go to Paris, yeah. and she's like, I eat a cube of cheese when I feel really faint from hunger. I eat a cube of cheese. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I'm just one stomach flew away from my goal weight. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, but yeah, exactly. Instead of spending now. Okay. So I agree with you. 
jumpstarts are great. So if people, you know, well, the other issue with all this Ozempic stuff is that um, people that have type 2 diabetes are no longer, they don't, like, people who need the drug don't have access mm-hmm. to the drug anymore because all these skinny vias all over the place are using up all of the uh, supply chain for it. So that's just something else, like. All right. Sorry. Some people actually need this and need to function off of it, right? But there is no require, like, there's no dietitian, nutrition, you know, weight loss guide, doctor, whatever that's sitting down with these people and saying, okay, this is your plan. This is how much you need to exercise. Let's check in. That's not required. It's a script, and that's all. So, mm-hmm. so it could end up making your life worse in the long run. But people are willing to risk it. Well, and I think um, they know that because, which is interesting because every drug, if they can make a claim, they will, right? If they possibly can be like, it may make it easier for you to keep the weight off all the, like as long as possible, but they all are saying it doesn't. As soon as you go off it, most, most insurances do not cover it. Mm -hmm. um, Even if you're obese and um, unless you have diabetes, I guess, but like, yeah, it's like it's not you can't it's not sustainable and everyone understands that as soon as you get off it the weight all comes right back. And that's such a problem because then it's not just like oh you had a fun time being skinny like when you dye your hair blonde, yeah. right? It's like it's like you actually fundamentally changed some like you hurt your body and you may not get back to what you were before, like the health level yeah. of like your digest your your you know, your gut health, your digestive health, like that there's a lot more to to a good happy healthy life um than just eating less like it's whew, like as far as yeah like how you feel what if you felt nauseous the rest of your life so that makes me think about another thing we were talking about sunday which is that approach to um just like overall health and doctors that are like like that push that you're telling me, I forget the name of it, but the holistic view of your body instead of targeted view mm. of symptoms. Integrated. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, right. Because if you were prescribing this and having an integrated view of the body, then you would be like mm. saying long-term, you know, this is everything it's. And also if you're not diabetic and you gained a lot of weight, then uh, it's lifestyle, it's home or whatever. It's, it's exercise. Mm-hmm. These, these, this is what you have to do along with this drug instead of just saying, all right, we're just going to target the symptom instead yeah. of the root cause. The root cause honestly is so mystifying to me still. And you know, I like, I am so um, intrigued by this topic for years. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been very, interested in different theories and you know I'm interested on a personal level on theories of why um of why people he's outside of why people lose like what is the magic trick that helped a certain person lose weight Beckett please shut my door <laughs> oh boy three Beckett, shut the door sorry <laughs> I didn't know how to mute it you're fine um, so while Kayla is yelling at her third son, 
Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that um, one of the things, so there's a personal, like, I'm interested in the personal, like, I feel like every human being, sorry, my notes are being really crinkly and loud, I'm sure. Um, every human being is different. And so it kind of hit me one day that, like, the secret of losing weight for a per one person is, is going to be completely different from what worked for another person. And so I'm always interested in the different stories. Yeah. Not that I have a ton of weight to lose or anything, but like, I, f I just think it's fascinating. And it, it, it shows like, there's not a one size fits all approach. Like every, and it is so psychological. Like there's such a mind body connection and what clicks for your brain and helps you not to feel deprived and helps you to, to just almost like believe that you can mm -hmm. lose weight, mm -hmm. you know, like it's so interesting. It's just so fascinating to me. But what I've seen over and over again is when people really take, like you said, like step back and take like the bird's eye view of what is going on in our society as a whole. It's so weird, Elizabeth, because yeah. if you look at graphs of obesity, it skyrocketed in the 80s. Like, I mean, just like shoots up. Like if you look at the bar graph, it's like we all, and we had fast food before the eighties. Mm. We had soda before the eighties. We had high fructose corn syrup, I think before the eighties, like something happened in that decade. And that's where you're like, is it environmental? Is it genetic? Was it like a new generation? And that generation like was, you know, they reached an age and it was just like, and I, I do fundamentally, I, I really reject the, yeah, obesity is a chronic disease. It's incurable. You're just going to live with it. You can't, you know, we should be healthy at every size and beauty is at every size and you can't lose the weight. So don't even try, which is so funny because now, oh, but we could give you this drug that'll make you feel like shit, but you'll lose all the weight. And oh, soccer, that's what everyone secretly wants. And we knew this all this time, even though we kept telling you that you were bad for saying that. All right. Um, I'm curious while you continue yelling at your next child, I'm curious if this is like weirdly, uh, I don't know, maybe a television on during TV change, just throwing something out, right? Like you're like, we already had fast food. We already had this, we had that, da, 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 da. Mm. But maybe it was some sort of accepted cultural change where you didn't have to sit down and mm. only converse while you eat. It's it's a instead we need to be entertained while we eat, which means you're no longer just yeah. focusing on conversation and food, or it's more like food is a pleasure instead of a you know uh, to fill you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you might. I think you might be right that there's got to be like a like when it's that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that it doesn't make sense to me that it would just be because I, I saw one theory was like that was um, around the same time I think that they started really developing a lot of seed oils, which are made very artificially, yeah. like canola oil is a seed oil. Um, oh, what's the other one? There's a ton of them, but vegetable they're, oil? you know, they're, yeah, vegetable oil, seed oils. Um, and they're extremely artificial. Like apparently I haven't done this, but if you Google like how they are made, it's like absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And they're in everything now. I mean, they are like everything, like every cracker. So I made my own, <laughs> I made my own crackers the other day, like with sourdough and butter. Oh, wow. Um, 
And it was really fun. It was actually very easy. And the sourdough, it gave it a weirdly um, cheese it like flavor. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <Did> it <turn laughs> <all> yeast? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just the sourdough. Yeah. Um, and I used everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's mm. and whole wheat flour. And it was delicious. Um, and you didn't want to eat a ton. Like you were happy with like five or six and it was really good, but then it wasn't like tempting to just eat meat. And I think, um, you know, there's some arguments being made about the seed oils similar to like artificial sweetener. Mm -hmm. Like your body does not, like this is not a real food and your body is not able to process it correctly. And it's, you know, it's just terrible for you on so many levels. But I guess, like, I, I kind of wonder if you're right that there's – it's also just, like, the cultural norms changed. So what changed first, the foods making you want to change the cultural yeah. norms or the cultural norms? And I think when you see it that big of a shift – like, I'll have to I'll have to try to find the graph um, that I saw because it, it was just, like, unreal. Like, when you look at it, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, why is no one talking about this more? I mean, this is weird. Yeah. Like, this is not just – People need to move more and eat more vegetables. Like this is like, okay, something something really shifted. And how can we go back and undo it? Mm, interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think kind of that, like what you and I were talking about with the um the how the the medical system really treats like you as a patient is just like your immediate problem, let's say it's um uh, a migraine. Yeah. You have, you have some migraines. They look like strokes. You're like, okay, oh my gosh, this isn't normal. Why is this happening to me all of a sudden? Your immediate problem, that is all they're interested in treating. They're not, most doctors are not going to step back and be like, hmm, let's do a whole panel of like, what are you eating? How much are you sleeping? What does your daily life look like? What are your habits like? Like they just, like what vitamins are you taking? Like a lot of them are kind of like, eh, like maybe it'll help. Maybe it right. won't. Like, they're just very skeptical of like those little changes, but at the same time, they're not treating you like a, I mean, not every doctor. I definitely have doctors that are different from this, but this is the, this is the general consensus and criticism that I've heard a lot of people have of their experience with doctors or like if, if the, if they have a health issue that isn't immediately like clear yeah. and they're not well and something changed and they're really, something is really wrong there's just this like, well, try this. I don't know. Like, but and, it, and there's also there's also just like a lack of connecting dots for you as the patient, where you're like, like you said, you're not just um a bunch of little pieces that are operating on their own. You are an integrated whole person. And it does like there's a mind and body connection, there is a habits and body connection, there is a food and body connection, there is an environment and body connection. Yeah. Um you know, and then, and then, yeah, like what's going on in your, in certain areas of your body and others, like what's your exercise? Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's very, it's very frustrating because then, so you already had this like kind of, a lot of people, you know, would say this was their experience with the doctor if they had something that wasn't immediately treatable with an antibiotic, right? Yeah. <laughs> like my, my friend did have this, like when she, she thought she had Crohn's, she had suddenly had all of these, like, like had to run to the bathroom diarrhea situations oh. <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. 
And like she would feel so ill and so and then she had all this anxiety and then one doctor just told her, well, it's just probably anxiety. Like and she's like, I'm not making this up in my yeah. head. It's giving me anxiety. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never was like this. I'm 35 years old. And um, you know, it was just like, I mean, she had a real process of like five years of feeling like being told, well, you just need to go on an elimination diet. You must be allergic to gluten, was one doctor. And then um and she did that and still didn't go away, you know, or dairy or try this or try that. And then, and then, um, you know, then it was psychosomatic. So she went to counseling and that seemed to help a little bit. I don't really know. Well, finally, one doctor had the like intelligence, but like, it, I don't know. They, they were like, Hey, let's, let's test you for this gut bacteria that can live it, it can get inside of you. It is rare, but when it does, it will not go away without really strong antibiotics, oh. like really strong. Like you could have had strep throat and gotten antibiotics for that, got rid of the strep and still had this bacteria. I can't, it's like some kind of, I can't remember what kind of, I don't want to say it and be like completely wrong and embarrassed, but that's what she had. Wow. And she goes on this round of like intensive antibiotics and it took a little while because it wasn't like an instant day and night um, difference because her body still had to like get, then the antibiotics were really hard on her body. And, but I'm pretty sure like last time we talked about it, it was gone. And she was just like, it feels like kind of a nightmare. Like she had to be her own advocate. She had to keep saying, that's not it. That didn't work. Like, you know, it was just this, this very frustrating thing. And I think unfortunately with our medical system, and you're just passed from specialist to specialist. Yeah. Like they're not, they don't all talk to each other. They're not aware of each other's specialist specialization. Um, and then, but then you have like with Ozempic, you have this situation of big food, yep. making all the seed oils, making all the sodas, making all of the serving sizes bigger and bigger, yep. encouraging you to eat dinner and DoorDash, you know, because they know you will eat more and you'll get cravings and um, encouraging you to health at every size is great. Like you're fine being fat. Don't fight it. Like, so they got, you know, they're pushing ads. you to not change. They're pushing <laughs> you to not change your lifestyle. And then, and then there's big pharma that would love you to spend a lot of money on, dr- on Especially something like Ozempic where it's not covered by insurance. Not covered by insurance. And even if they get it covered by insurance, eventually it's so coveted now. It's going to be the hugest cash cow ever. Yeah. They can they can charge whatever they want. Yeah. They can charge like – they can charge the insurance, you know, X amount of money. And then you still have a big-ass copay, yeah. you yeah. know? Like – and is, if they know that like everyone wants to be beautiful and everyone does not like being fat and it is miserable being fat and, you know, oh, that was the other thing um, – if the Ozempic, one of the things I heard in this uh, podcast interview about it, which made me think a lot about this, it was an it was a debate between a guy who used to work for Big Food, where he was like lobbying oh, and paying off yeah, people yeah, yeah. and like making these bogus studies trying to tell you that like Lucky Charms is healthier for kids than an egg. Uh, that was one of the recent ones. That's insane. I'm not I, even kidding. Okay, like that just blows my mind so much that anybody hmm. would ever believe that. Yes, but they like Harvard or Stanford actually spent money to do this study and put it out because they were paid off by oh my God. or General Mills or whoever it was. So he his thing that he said too is like if you are on Ozempic for years and it basically is trashing your digestive system, 
like it's completely subverting it and messing it up. Your gut health, and you're also still eating yeah. garbage yeah, yeah, yeah. when you eat. You can eat whatever you want. Your gut health is going to take such a hit. And he was like, your your gut, um, they're seeing all these connections between your gut health and depression. Mm. But like the the moderator made a really good point. She was like, yeah, but there's also a big connection between obesity and yeah. depression. Yeah. Like when you are fat, you're really depressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no matter how fat you are, like no one enjoys feeling like – gross you know and it was just such an interesting thing but yeah it's like unfortunately we have this situation where you have big food big pharma and then they're both paying off doctors and the government to just like look the other way or say yeah that's fine like we'll lift the restrictions on this anyone can get on ozempic or now um the official american academy of pediatrics came out and said and I cannot believe that this is not related to the push by Big Pharma for Ozempic. But they came out and said they're changing their guidelines for overweight children, for technically obese, like if they are a certain threshold of BMI, of of young kids, like like young, like under under eighteen. But I think I really think what they had said was like under twelve. Um, that they're going to recommend drugs like Ozempic. And gastric bypass. Oh, stop. That makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. On little okay. That that just literally rips my heart out to think that way. But it's it's like you said, it's no one wants to really look do the hard work of being like, well, what got us into this situation? How do we really fix yeah. it? And and I agree that like, yeah, it is I agree with them that that long term we can't afford to have a lot of overweight kids and when you're an overweight kid you're much more likely to be an overweight adult and you're much more likely to have a kid who's overweight so it's this kind of like awful just cycle. continual cycle this also yeah and I, it reminds me it's sad it's sad but it also reminds me of a south park episode where oh yeah <laughs> like um i mean they're all a bunch of little like multiple boys or whatever right and they're yeah. they're all like comparing penis size and then they figure out like one of them has like lower than average and he's like, oh no, blah blah blah. So then they end up changing the national average penis size to be like so much smaller so that he could have a larger than average penis size. Oh but it's gosh, the exact same amazing. thing where you're like, it doesn't actually change your life, your quality of life, like what you're your BMI, your penis size, it just makes you feel like it's more average. So there's this book that uh, my sister and I read, Catherine and I read a couple years ago. It was um, published a pretty long time ago. I have it in my hands right now. I think it's probably like... Oh, is it Spark? Spark, yeah. It's like probably 2008, copyright 2008. So this book is called Spark. It's written by... John J. Raddy, MD. And um, one of the first few chapters, what, what the focus of the book is, it's called The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain. And he talks about how your uh, physical um, exercising, like he talks a lot about running, right? But it's basically anything in a certain heart rate threshold, how that actually impacts your brain in a positive way. And there's this high school that um, 
they had read some, you know, I don't know, they had this guy that was like, hey, I really believe in this workout science, and, and they had the money for it, and I think it was in Naperville, Chicago, and so they ended up implementing this program, which let the kids, it had them focus on, um, for their PE, it was all focusing on heart rate training, so it was specific mm-hmm. to each individual kid, right, and to mm-hmm. do that, they would say, like, basketball, they do, like, three-on-three three instead of seven-on-seven, seven, so that every single kid got a lot of activity, stuff like that. They also um, would work with each of the kids and figure out what was their hardest, uh, you know, class. So if you're really bad at history, then they would put your PE Mm -hmm. class right before history uh, because they were finding that when you rose your heart rate and you actually worked out, it created this growth hormone in your brain that made it more receptive Mm -hmm. to information. So this uh, school did this, right? One program. And they, out of their entire high school, um, so I don't know, maybe it was like 400 kids or whatever it was. I could look at it right now. Mm -hmm. They had two kids in the entire high school that classified as overweight. That's it. Which isn't. Not, and that's like after the program. Right, after the program. So there's, they made some magnificent changes right, to the way that they were addressing people's lifestyle. So they culturally made these massive changes, but then they immediately saw the results in the kids. Mm. Like they like this actual high school, they're able to compete at a national level for things the United States doesn't usually do well with in, in like math and science, right? And then just looking at the obesity level of the children in comparison to the rest of the population, it was insane the percentages and I just think if if people took an you know an approach more like this where you're like I'm not gonna make you feel like shit and make you feel nauseous and make you you know take a medication and make you go on this for the rest of your life but instead introduce to you ways that you could have a healthier happier life that's also mentally Mm -hmm. happier it would go so far in these kids lives and they talked about that too where these kids like they graduated and wasn't just high school they'd go on to college and they'd apply the same fundamentals to you know if they're having a hard time in school then they would go work out and then they'd be more ready to study and they were able to progress better and stuff like that it was just it's I was just gonna ask you like the the stated intent of the program it never was about no, weight loss no it was actually it was about feeling it was good. about education that's what's crazy and being smarter it was about wow. being smarter because they had found that if you spike your heart rate by you know it creates this um chemical in your brain that basically acts as miracle grow and allows you to absorb more information is that interesting wow yes so so I mean I yeah it's like I think that part of what's the challenge and I love being American I really do I think what is hard is that when we have these big problems we overcomplicate it um and we want instant an instant result like you said it's not just like a over years over the span of years it's going to take a while, but it'll re- retrain your brain of how to handle things, how to handle stress. 
it'll fix your hormone levels, which then will make you not want to overeat. Like, gosh, the, uh, you and I have talked about this before, but I mean, people underestimate all the time how your hormones are influencing your weight and your, cause they, they control your sleep. They control your appetite. They control your stress and your anxiety and your depression and all of that. I mean, they don't control your depression, and anxiety, but they definitely contribute to it. Um, all of that though, is like, you're not, it's not just, I, oh my gosh, Elizabeth, I just heard a fascinating podcast uh, by Jennifer Fulweiler where she talked about, she was having a really hard time losing like 10 mm-hmm. pounds. Okay. Like she had lost, so she was a big fan of intermittent fasting, which I do think works well for older people. And like you and I said, people who are not really into yeah. exercise yeah. or at least not into yeah. exercise because it just, honestly, there's never a good time to fit it in with the exercise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you just have all day at home. Like maybe when we're retired, we'll just do intermittent fasting. It'll be amazing. And all my cells are going to regenerate and I'm going to look so youthful and great. It'll be amazing. Eternal youth. Eternal youth. Um, But she had a really interesting point. um, And now I feel guilty sharing it because it was like her – oh, my gosh. It was her – I can't remember if I heard this on her public platform or her like Patreon platform. But she, and I won't do it, she had a lot more to it, but she realized that one of the reasons that she was struggling with overeating, like overindulging, and she knew she was overindulging, and she knew that normally she had really great uh, self-mastery and like self-discipline, but then she would just like fall off the wagon with alcohol and like, you know, fatty foods or sweet foods like in the evening, and she actually made the connection um, that her craving, and she she talked about this book called The Cravings Mm. Cure. Her craving was um, influenced by a uh, – she had a deficiency of, like, serotonin, hmm. like the um, the calming hor- – is it that the calming hormone? Like, dopamine's the – because there's serotonin, dopamine. Cortisol. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well. No, no, no. I think you're – I think the pleasure hormones are different. I think you're right. I'm I'm researching it right now because I don't know. Pretty sure it was serotonin that she said, but it was like she had a serotonin deficiency, and when she got on um, some medication to help with that, just temporarily because she didn't know what else to do, she like instantly she didn't have a problem anymore overeating. Really? So wait, what she but, what she do to change the deficiency? Oh, she got on a a very low dosage SSRI. Oh. Um, uh, you know, like antidepressant because it, what it does is it, it influences your body's production of that serotonin. And so she just did it to try it, not for depression, but for this. And it was like overnight Mm. difference. And she finally lost the weight and has been able to keep it off. And, um, but that reminded me of that when you were talking, because the spark thing is also focused on the brain. And if you're focusing on, your brain needs serotonin, your brain needs dopamine. And if it's not getting in healthy ways, like through exercise, it's going to want it from overdoing it with wine in the evening or overdoing it with ice cream or overdoing it with garlic bread, you know, like all whatever. But like, I think that, yeah, there's like a real need there and a real, like you're, if you're not listening to what your body is trying to tell you, like your body needs serotonin, your body needs dopamine, your body's just going to try to get it in whatever way it can however crudely, right? Like with food. Um, and that was just so interesting to me that, uh, I'm sure it's not the situation for everyone, but I like that 
a lot of times the the answer to the problem is not by focusing on the problem. It's actually by kind of thinking about, okay, what's leading up to this? Like, you know, it's not the overeating itself. It's the deficiency that is that that is caused by not exercising or by not, you know, being outdoors enough or by some imbalance in your body that you can address naturally or not. So one of my friends earlier this year or late last year, it doesn't matter. She made a statement that really stuck with me, which I think goes with this perfectly. She said that all of us have the um, ability to live joyful lives, like joyful Mm -hmm. lives, right? I don't think a lot of us look at this, well, this meaning life and mean like, I'm not joyful. That means I need to work on this. It's like, like, it's very easy to focus when you're happy, you know, stressed, happy, okay, whatever, but not joyful. And I think mm. if we if we all felt that just inherent um, calling or uh, what is the word when when you um, like it's your place in life. I can't think of the word right now, but vocation? not vocation. I can't think of it. It's fine. I'm really bad with words. But like, uh, um. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say something, but it's going to be very offensive to a certain subset of people, <laughs> politically speaking. But when when you feel like you deserve something, <laughs> right? Like entitled. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> if everybody, if everybody. Hey, that does not have to be political. That is a human. But the way, like, the way I was going to all... explain it was going to be. <laughs> So, oh, got it. But I'm glad you thought of it without that then. But um anyway, if all of us knew that we were entitled um to live mm-hmm. joy-filled lives, then I think we would all look at our lives differently too. Because it be mm-hmm. we could look at them and say, I'm not I'm not filled with joy. It's not just like Maybe, you know, this woman on Jen Fuller's um, show, she's like, oh, I took an antidepressant and I lost the last 10 pounds and that's great. But was she, was she striving to live a joy-filled life, to, joy-filled life and realizing that she wasn't, you know, maybe she wasn't. And that's why she didn't know that she was minorly mm-hmm. depressed. And that's because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, this is a little bit of stretch, but it just made me think of it because going back to that. When has a doctor ever told you, like, are you full of joy? It's not like that. It's like, are you happy? Are you healthy? Are you safe? But not spewing out with joy and happiness and just, like, love, right? Mm. So, I don't know. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, I guess I guess my only thing is I think, I think joy – it's not well. It's not the same True. as happiness, right? That's it. yes, exactly. That's why you can be happy but not feel so, joy. I actually think having the so I I do think that you can be you can have joy and still struggle with a a chemical or hormonal deficiency yeah. and imbalance. I think the joy part comes in when you have faith that you can fix it and you're going to yeah. keep trying. 
Like what was cool to me about her story is she was talking about how she literally was trying to lose the last 10 pounds for two Mm. years. And what most other people would tell her to do is just give it up. You've had six kids at this point. It's because you turned 45 or 50 or whatever. Just give up and embrace it. And she was like, no, I bought all these clothes. I don't want a new wardrobe. That's not a terrible thing to be like, I know my body wants to stay at this 10 to 15 pound place that is higher than I can comfortably fit in my clothes. But it's not like I'm talking about starving myself 40 pounds more. It's a small amount of weight that I know I can lose. And if I do, I can save myself a lot of money and embarrassment of having to go out and get a whole new wardrobe. And I thought that was like, yeah, like there was a joy there in her tenacity of like, I can't do this. (laughs) No, I agree with that. I agree with that. So maybe, so maybe my, and the answer is not going to just be going a pill for everyone. And she was not saying, she was saying actually dosage she's on is so low that her doctor told her that's the weaning dosage. So it doesn't do anything. And what's funny too, is I had actually heard that SSRIs, they like, uh, this is nuts, but so SSRIs are the most common antidepressant they actually do not increase your serotonin and dopamine huh. levels. But when patients take them, they stop being Is depressed. it like a placebo? That's almost what I think some of these doctors are wondering because there's a huge remarkable, remarkable like evidence of a difference, enough that it is like always covered by insurance. But um, – when you actually, when the doctors have broken down and looked at what is going on in the body and like measured it, it's not what people think is going mm. on. So, so it's interesting. I, I do think, I think there's a lot of power in your brain and, and believing that you're doing something that is making a difference makes a difference. But I also think, um, yeah, like just having that hope and that joy of like, yeah, you don't have yes. to settle. Yes. <laughs> like, like you can, you can be healthy. You can lose weight. Like, I think that was what was so interesting to me about the Ozempic thing. It was so funny because, yeah, I just feel like we've been preached at for the last – and I I was telling Jason, I don't think, you know, I consider myself conservative, but I don't think conservatives give give people enough credit in this where, like, it wasn't a bad faith. Like, like I don't think it was, like, a malicious thing to try to turn uh, fat people into culturally accepted beauty norms. Yeah. I really don't think it was malicious. I really think that what a lot of doctors the last ever since the eighties were seeing, and they really did not know why is that they were just seeing so many more people getting so much heavier and, and trying and trying and trying to lose the weight and failing and failing and failing. And it just, it's like the, I think that they got to a point where it's like, this is also not making them happy because they are miserable. Like, they keep hopping from one fix to the next. It's not working. It's not staying off. They're, you know, like how can we can we help them to just stop focusing on it? Can we help them? I think that's part of it is getting out of the like I I do think a lot of times the extra pounds are a symptom mm-hmm. of something else. Like or the the struggling with overeating or over drinking or um, whatever it is that like the the bad habits that you probably that we all have, but that probably if any of us were to be like, this is the one habit that's probably making me heavier, we probably yeah. know what it is. <laughs> um, but like, it's not as easy as just saying this is that right. I just need to cut this out because you're human. So if you cut out the one thing that is comforting you, 
you're gonna you're gonna cling on to a new a new bad yeah. thing, right? <laughs> you're gonna find new like you get rid of the wine and you start really overdoing it with the coffee or you yeah, know, like, yeah. It's not yeah. that simple. because um, you're human and you have to listen to your body and what it's trying to tell you. But I think um it was just it was just so funny to me, like I mean a little bit sad, but not if you look at it the way you just said that like this is a good hint and a good sign that like you're yeah. made for more. You can, you can do more. But I think it's so funny that, yeah, like what they then tried to do is be like, okay, it's impossible to lose the weight. So let's just tell everyone that it's, it's society's problem for making these people feel bad. Right. And we're going to give you a pill that's going to make you feel that shit. <laughs> well, that was before, that was before they found the pill. Right. right before right. they found the pill, they were like, how dare you, how dare you tell people right. to lose weight? And now they're like, <laughs> All right, now then, you can do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like Lizzo is sexy. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, everyone's taking us up. You're going like, to start Twitter more. Have you seen Minty Kaling? Minty Kaling lost a On ton of weight. She, well, they don't know that it was – that. She, did she well, admit to Well, I it? saw a couple of reports that were like, it was Ozempic. So, but that's okay. – But she hasn't, she hasn't released a statement saying she did. It was just speculation, I right? Think so – but it is interesting to what you're She looks yeah. great. And I mean she tried years to lose the weight. Like I want it to not be Ozempic for her because like I can't imagine feeling that shitty all uh, the time. One of my favorite Mindy Kaling things, this always cracked me up. She was like, I think maybe you told me this. It was in her autobiography. And she was like, or memoir, memoir. And she's like, I just love going mm-hmm. on diets. Yes. She said diets were like her favorite hobby. And if she, she realized that she didn't actually want to lose the weight permanently because she loved dieting yes, so like, much. It's just like she loves having like, this is what I'm doing now. I It wasn't even weight loss. It was just like she loved being on a diet. It's like she has the high of the transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people are just saying she did Ozempic, but it's not proven. Mm, Who knows? Okay. She looks great. She's gorgeous. We love Mindy Kaling. We um, love Mindy. Yes. We always love her. And I, I guess, yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh. And we've done some crazy things to try to yeah. lose weight. I mean, can we share can we share some of our funniest things that we've uh, tried? Yes. You wanna go first? <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> I was thinking of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Is this kidding. the coffee one? I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I also did. I think it's so funny. And I know it wasn't funny at the time. And it was a serious cry for help. But like when I think back to how you told me about it and like it's just is so funny. But I mean, I did also. I did try. I think I found my mom had probably from because like after you have a baby, you get constipated. And it's really scary to poop the first time because a lot of crap has happened down there and you're like nervous to bear down. Um, so it, like my mom had a laxative in her bathroom cabinet and I, I tried to take laxatives every day for like 10, 15 days. And I would, oh my gosh, I would like, I would do the dumbest things. Like I look back, I was maybe 20 pounds overweight, not a ton. Like, like I, and I hit it well, like I knew how to dress. I actually, so I was like adolescent. So you were so skinny. In adolescent. I don't know. I, I put on boobs and I had hips and I, you know, I was um, around these boys, like my brothers were eating 
like bottomless pits. And I just didn't, I think I didn't learn to, to adjust my appetite and Mm, eating habits, you know, for a while being in the house with them. And, and then all of a sudden I was 15, 20 pounds heavier and I didn't know what to do with it. And it was weird because it kind of happened within the course of a year. And the more I tried to fix it, the worse it got, you know, like it was so hard. And, um, I do think there were hormonal stuff at play. I think I was probably mildly a little bit depressed. Mm -hmm. I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I was at home. I wasn't happy at home. Like it happened. I had been away for the summer working at, um, a camp in Ohio and, uh, and I loved it. And then I came home and I, I just didn't, it was like such a boring contrast. I had these best friends yeah. that I had made over there and I felt kind of grown up and then I come home and I'm a kid again yeah. being homeschooled, you yeah. know, it just sucked. It sucked. And then, and I couldn't drive and my mom and I were fighting all the time. So I think I probably, it was probably some emotional eating hormones going on. Like, and then I felt bad about it and then it just made it worse. And, um, yeah, it does feel like I, I very much empathize that there is a place that you get to where it feels like the more you try to fix it, the worse it gets. <laughs> it's just like, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. But I mean, it's crazy. Cause we had these experiences when we were in high school, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. I don't know. Body images are something that you're just some people the people that are blessed with beautiful body images, not beautiful bodies, but beautiful body images where they see themselves mm. as being like, Oh, I'm a little curvy now, that's fun. Or if they're just like, Cool, I'm skinny, that's mm. fun, and they're not obsessed with it. I think those people have a brilliant mm. gift. Right, because that's like it's different. So I, yeah, I think two things can be true at once here. You can have that, like the joy of not just settling, not just being like, well, this is my life now. This is how it is. Like, but also, yeah, like just starting from a place of positive. Like I I really think your body does better for you when you approach it. Like the, the yeah. brain connection there is that you are not depriving it, punishing it, um, being scared of it. If you're not scared of your body and you embrace it and you love it and you treat it with gratitude and joy, like I just, yeah, I believe that it's going to work for you. Like it's yeah. going to do what yeah. you want. It's like, <laughs> no, silly? Does no, that I so actually dumb? agree with that in a weird way. Cause I feel like it's this whole, like, don't get stressed because then you'll get fat. <laughs> Right. Or like stress gives you, but like, it's hard because Mm -hmm. if you're stressed and it's really hard to get out of it. But if you, if you focus Mm -hmm. on, and I feel like it's more than just stressing about work, life, family. It's also, if you overstress your body and working out, for example, right. It's it's like holistically, like if you stress your body out, mind, body, soul, you know, whatever it is. But you know what is what's a twist there is when you stress your body out to lose weight and you're trying to punish your body because it's fat, it will cling to every calorie. It will not cooperate with you. But when you, if you do the same intensity of workouts to get faster at running or to be able to do a pull up or some crazy, but to get stronger 
all of a sudden your body's shredded totally and ripped and you look amazing. That's and people, these are our own experiences, but I completely agree with that. If I work out to lose weight, nothing happens. If I'm just happy and I work out because I have a goal or whatever, it's totally different. I'm not even thinking about my weight because I'm just happy and I'm just living my life. Yeah. 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 And it, it is, I think, um, I love that because it's like at once there is some, some little shred of truth in the health at every size thing because of that. Like that, I think there's a good to like helping people get to that mm. place first, that place of like, my body is wonderful. My body was made good and I'm going to appreciate the crap out of it. And I'm going to set goals for myself that have nothing yeah. to do with weight loss. I'm going to set physical goals. I'm going to, I'm going to set lifestyle goals. Like, you know, I want to feel, I'm going to start thinking about how things make me feel as opposed to the calories. Like I absolutely think that makes a difference. And you were kind of, you started out sort of hinting at this when you're talking just about our culture's problems. Yeah. When you're talking about like that bike in the eighties of obesity going up and I, I will find that graph and um, share it. But I think that, yeah, like in our culture, we're just so obsessed with work. Like it's like working to lose weight. It's working to, you know, it's not just like enjoying a long life. Like you told me one time, and I just love this. You're like, I just feel so elegant and like rich when I get a bottle, oh, yeah. when I get wine at lunch. <laughs> and I was like, I love because it really is. But like an American can only really yeah, do that on yeah. vacation. Like you feel like so like an alcoholic if you if you do it and you're just like in the middle right. of the day, you know, it has to feel like a special occasion. But what I love about our European friends and is like everything they make special yeah. occasions yeah. every day. You know, they and it, it yes, it's special. Yes, it's a treat. But like it doesn't have to be saved for like once a year or something. Um, and I think that there's a lot of problems in the way that it's it's so much bigger than just the co the ingredients that we're using. I actually think it's much more about how the food is processed, how it is made, how we are sitting down or not sitting down to consume it. Um and our just yeah, like our stress levels in those moments like when you're you're eating on the go, you're eating at your desk at work. You're not able to just like but you're like so skinny, so it, it doesn't hey, not like it clearly doesn't I can, just your coworker. Your poor coworker who has to go on a catch up. To I you. can tell. I told Catherine, my sister, last fall I was on a run and I was like, My belly, my belly's jumping. Like you know, you go through these you can tell with your own body when you're where you need to be when you don't. And I'm just like I was like on a run talking to her. I was like, This is very uncomfortable. <laughs> It's not right now. I yeah. feel good about that. But so how do you – okay, so so that's where I think the weight loss tricks, that's where I'm always interested, is like how do you get for you what clicks to help you stop focusing on the belly jiggling and hating the belly jiggling and trying to fight the belly jiggling and to like move to the next spot of like forgetting about it so then it can Okay, it can so fall. honestly for me, it's whenever I train for a race. Because then I have a plan. Every single day, mm -hmm. there is a plan that I have to do. I'm doing a, a you know, cross-training, speed run, pace run, slow run, whatever it is. And it's not – it's to what you are saying earlier. It's not about um, 
it's not about working out to lose weight or like feeling guilty about the extra five thin mints I had after dinner. <laughs> it's just like, that's the, the purpose of the workout is for the race. And that's always what makes the difference mm. for me. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I just think there's this mind body connection that you can't undersell because I've been working out for years and whenever I'm focused on like oh, bikini seasons coming up, yeah, no, that's no, no, my body's not going to mm. respond to that, you know? Same. But if I'm just like, Same. yeah, okay, yeah. my body's whatever it is. Also, I'll buy shorts that actually fit me this summer instead of being little teeny boppers. Then my body's like, cool, <laughs> maybe you'll fit them, maybe you won't, but at least you're feeling happy. <laughs> Like your body's like now we'll lose weight. It's right. be way too and big on you. Look better, so they're not <laughs> hugging your ass. <laughs> yeah. What about oh, you? Man. Yeah. So I, I Jason is like you with running. Um, I guess I'm not really into race. I've never been mm. into races, and I'm really not fast. So that's where I've, I've never done that yet. I did have, I mean, when I was my skinniest, I had a personal goal with running. It was before I got pregnant with Henry. I just wanted to run like 20 miles without mm. stopping. And I was more just interested in being able to run that. Like, I think it started out, I just wanted to run for two hours. Like it was like, it was really just like the time, like, I, oh my gosh, I didn't have anything. I barely had running shoes. I I didn't have a running watch. I had my uh the Nike running app on my phone strapped <laughs> to my arm. Yes. You know, or or I would just I would just know I knew the distances. I was like I yeah. would do map my run. Oh yeah. Do you yeah, remember yeah, that yeah, website? Yeah. I just deleted the app yesterday from I would my do phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. So I would do that just to like go back. Like I would literally retrace my steps to like figure out the mileage that I had done. But all all I was focused on is like the runner's high and just being like, whoa, I yeah. can't believe I did that, you know? And, but then unfortunately when I tried to duplicate that, <laughs> I just couldn't get it out of my head that I was yeah. also hoping yeah. get skinny again, you know? Um, cause it is hard. Like I, that's, what's so hard is like as a woman, but I mean, men, men have this too, but I feel like women, especially we have to embrace the fact that like there are natural fluctuations in our bodies and that is just, yeah okay. Like that is not a bad thing. That's a healthy thing. There are going to be fluctuations throughout the month, fluctuations throughout the year. Like fat <laughs> I fall. love that fall. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, there are definitely times that your body just for whatever reason needs a little bit extra cushion <laughs> and that's okay. Like it's, you know, it doesn't define you. It, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to lose it or that you're always going to get fatter. I think it's just, it just is what it is. But I think what's hard is then you know, how to like, kind of there, there's like, you just have to get on a different track and how to do that. Like how to jump, how to jump the track without yeah. derailing the train. Right. Like that's, that's what we're talking about without totally flipping out and making it all worse. And for me, I, I really have found, um, just like being mm. busy, like just take, like just being busy throughout the day, being happy and busy, having like going for a walk with a friend, like I think like I can get very set and I don't think it's just me. I think it's our generation. When I look at all the podcast, the trending yeah. influencers on it's like the reels on Instagram and TikTok that are yeah. posted to Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think like we can get in this trap of like the pursuit of perfect health 
And it's like, oh, I got to have my blue light yes. glasses on and I got to have my water and I have my water bottle that I carry like a pacifier with me all day long. And I got to make sure I'm in bed by nine o'clock and then I need to get an hour of sunshine right in the morning and I need to make sure I get outside. To get the sun. Like you, you build up all these things that like I have to do it, I have to do it. And, le- and then you're yeah. like not living your life. You're not having fun. You're not having fun with your family. You're not having fun with your friends. I I heard someone say – two days ago, like the challenge, like the goal with kids is she's a dietitian, but she was trying to say, listen, the, the healthy approach with your children. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to hear this for me is when, when you look back on your own childhood, do you remember, what do you remember when you think about eating at the dinner table? Do you remember like eating all your vegetables and protein? <laughs> check, check, check. Or, and is that what you want your kids to remember? Or do you remember like yeah. having fun at the table together and just chatting? And it was just like fun and funny and you made good memories. You don't yeah. even remember yeah. what you ate. Like that's that's the goal. Like I don't want my life to become this like good food, bad food, um, you know, good habits, bad habits. Like you just get so into this world where like that's all you think about and it doesn't help me lose weight. It doesn't help me actually achieve my goals. And you're and not, I don't feel you're not full of joy. <laughs> Because you're not full of joy. That's yes. it. So it's the joy. It's the joy at the table. And I think that's where Americans, we we get, like, think about how Americans, most Americans yeah. eat their meals. You can say you're happy watching TV at the dinner table, but you can't say you're joyful watching TV. And are you making are a memory you, that you, you want to look back on? Are you remember that sitcom? Are okay, we? we're getting judgy. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to wrap up. So I do want – okay, so next time we didn't even get to wheat yeah. and protein. And I really want to unpack both because that's kind of going on what we were just talking about where I feel like right now yes. there are a lot of gurus, yes. a lot of health gurus out there who are telling you the secret to all your answers in, in health and weight is, you know, getting the perfect amount of sleep or getting the perfect water bottle yeah. early, yeah. you know, like. And then I think the protein, all I hear is like, you need to be having 150 grams of protein every I day, know. which is insane, insane. And you need to be eating, and it doesn't matter if it's packaged protein, it just needs to be protein. So like all of a sudden now it's good to be eating, you know, protein, artificial protein powders and like all this stuff. And then, and then the other part is the wheat and all of the misconceptions about wheat and how many Americans in their quest for weight loss have just decided that they need no carbs, no bagels, no pizza, no no pasta. They have gluten intolerances. They have gluten allergies. Or our gluten is so full of GMOs, it's making everybody fat. And I have a lot of knowledge about that okay. one specifically. I, the protein one, I think we need Research. to we need to um, really deep dive. What I want us to do for next week, my challenge for myself and you, is we need to research culturally, what is the percentage of protein that are the longest running, healthiest cultures? Like Fran- like the French culture, Italian culture, like when you look at like even like, you know, China, Japan, I think Japan is supposed to be yeah, a really yeah, healthy yeah. culture, right? Not, not China. But Japan has pretty healthy BMI. So we need to look up, so we need to look up cultures that are con- widely considered by scientists, like they have long, longest lives, and they have very good health. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, you can quantify their health very well. And then we, I want to look at traditionally, culturally speaking, 
what is their what is their focus on protein because that is the new that is the new trend that I get very um mm-hmm. influenced by and then I feel bad about my diet and then I'm just like who eats like this I mean seriously and I I really I don't want it to be like um you know if it's working for people out there and I know several people that's working for one of my friends is a personal trainer but I I so I don't mean it to be I but I also think it's fair to say has any culture ever eaten like this? Is it sustainable? Um, and yeah, like what, what is the, what are the food traditions around this? I think that's I, look back I think that. it's a lot so. for next week. I took some notes. I have, a, I have thoughts off of it. And if we don't finish this soon, we're just going to start going into that topic. <laughs> All right. Okay. I loved it. It was awesome. I'm full of joy. I'm full of joy. <laughs> I'm full of joy in the Zampic. Actually, that's why I feel really skinny right now. <laughs> Stop it. No, JK. Um, you would not be you without your appetite. Like that idea just me makes me sad. sad. So I'm glad so, you're not. Would, and I'd have, yeah, all the things. Okay. Anyway, so instant gratification, not long term, especially when it comes to food. That's our episode for um, no champagne problems this week love it bye peace <laughs> no champagne to stop no, no champagne to stop